But we are back here, and God has seemed uh, seem fit to allow us to continue to meet here. What a blessing. We get to have nursery. We get to have seats here. It's a sunny day. I thought it would be colder, you know. Why don't you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Exalting Christ in the church. That's the name of this sermon. So why don't we pray as we are together here and ask God to bless the time in his word. Father, we... I was just thinking about that song that Andre and the team were was playing. You alone are our strength, our shield. To you alone will my spirit yield. You alone are my heart's desire and I long to worship you. And even as David was, we know that the context of that psalm is as he was running for his life. It's you who give us strength, not us. It's you that is our shield. And, And the very heartbeat of the Christian is just to praise you. To live a life of praise. To sing praise. To encourage with praise. Our whole lives should be worship. So Father, we pray even this morning, if we've come here and we've muddied our souls with sin, we know there's a Savior that could cleanse us and restore the joy of our salvation. So that we can truly say, even as we leave this morning, you alone are my heart's desire and I long to worship you. Forgive us of competing longings. Competing things that grabs our eye, that grabs our eyes. We pray, Father, that we would be a people who would not only speak your truth, not even not only read your truth, not only talk about your truth, not only sing about your truth, but live your truth. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, through throughout the book of First Corinthians, as we've been happily going through, right? We are marching towards the end, but throughout the book of First Corinthians, as we have seen Paul's heart for the spiritual health of the church, we remember in chapters one through fourteen, he deals with wrong behaviors in the church, and if you recall, some of the wrong behaviors were factions and sexual immorality and lawsuits within the church or turning the Lord's Supper into a point of contention. All of these things. Now Paul deals sharply with it in a stinging rebuke calling for repentance. In chapter 15, the Apostle Paul deals with wrong theology of those who say there is no resurrection and he reminds the Corinthian church that that is not true. There is a resurrection and it means everything to us. He reminds the church of what keeps it all together and that is chapter 13. That would be love. But God, through the apostle Paul, points to what is true biblical love and what it looks like. And he now nears the end of the letter with principles of exalting Christ in the church. What does it look like? How should my life be like? And I think this really speaks to some wrong views of the church and wrong views of biblical Christianity and wrong views of, well, frankly, what love is. I think we tend to get our ideas of love maybe of from music, maybe from media, maybe from social media, maybe from the way my mom and dad used to love me, which some may be biblical and some of it may not be. 
True biblical love, I think, as a Christian, you and I, we need a reset. I think when we come to Christ and we're walking in, in Christ, we need to take a look at, at what we believe about Christ, about the church, about what love is, because that's what Paul was talking about, and reset. I don't got it all right. You don't have it all right. Let's see what the Bible says. Our views of church and Christianity and love need to be reset. You may come into the notion that church is something you do on Sunday with no real effect in your life the rest of the week. Church is not something you do. Church is something that you are. Or you may come here and be sour on Christianity because to you, it's a list of do's and don'ts. And maybe that's your, maybe you didn't understand the gospel or maybe that was the harshness by which the gospel was brought to you. Or maybe you've been in a church that that's what has been taught. Maybe you come here and think that true love is being nice. Nice all the time. And not speaking about what upsets. You know, the Bible. I looked at the word nice in the Bible. The word nice is only mentioned once. And it's not even a command. It's talking about something else in a different context. So, you know, you're not called to be nice. You're called to be kind. I'm not saying be mean. I'm just saying you're called to be kind. Which is considerate. Which is giving people the best Advice, which would be Christ, right? Not nice. Nice is this social conformity where I don't say anything that upsets you. Kind. You could even be a Christian for many years and either have not been taught or you just avoid the scripture that speaks to these wrong views that you may have. And so you avoid talking about it. It's uncomfortable, so I don't, I don't want to talk about it. And yet Christ does not just give us right doctrine, as you see here in the scriptures. He's given it chapters 1 to 14. But right actions, right principles to live in the body in such a way that exalts him. In fact, you cannot really live in... Now, I'll say this again. You can't really live the Christian life or exalt Christ without these principles in your life. You can't do it. It's actually a life that's not worthy of Christ. That's not giving Him glory. These life principles that drive you to display a love for your family, for your church, and for the lost, as Christ defines love. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 to 14 says, just a short passage. Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Wow. That's, that's what Christ wants you to be each of you to be on the alert to stand firm in the faith to act like men to be strong let all you be done in love God's word is given this morning so you would live powerfully in exalting Christ in the church I say in the church of course should you practice these things outside of the church of course but he's saying to do this in the church in its context this is where the rub of life happens and this is where you grow Brothers and sisters, as we have issues, if we grow in this, in love and forgiveness, as we grow towards that, we can overcome anything as a church in Christ. Now, God gives here five principles in exalting Christ in the church in your life. Now, as we go through these principles, as you hear them, Perhaps maybe don't hear them with 
the old, oh, I heard that before. Uh, I got it. I got it. You know, the check, you know, that's kind of the thing that we might do. But maybe as you hear them, to really ask God to open your heart to them. In other words, don't say in your mind, I hear what the Bible, or maybe this, don't say, I hear what the Bible is saying, but you know, that's not me. So I'm just going to nicely listen right now, but not really do what God requires of me. That would be hearing the word and not doing it. Rather, I encourage you to listen this morning and come to it as we all, I think we all should, that, you know what, that, I look at this text. I read, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all you do be done in love. I look at the text and I go, you know, that's, that's not me. That's not me now. How about that? That's not me now. But Jesus, that's how I endeavor to live by your grace and strength. I will grow in implementing these principles. Please change me. I want to be like that kind of a Christian. So the first one is to be ready and alert. Be ready and alert. And and he says in uh, verse 13a, to be on the alert. And the word there for alert means to be watchful, to be vigilant, to stay awake, to watch over. It's not the kind of word that would describe, sometimes I'm, I'm sitting on the couch and I, need, I love my Sunday afternoon nap. And I just might, even though, I just might put it on YouTube and play the waves so I could hear it and I just get kind of lulled to sleep. That's not being alert and being awake. It, it, is, it speaks of being this vigilance to be ready for action. Now here's what's interesting. In all of these verbs that we see, it's all written, the verb form, and Greek is very exact in the second person plural. Okay? So what that means, second person plural, is you, all, y'all, from my, our brothers and sisters from El Paso, y'all, right? You could say y'all, right? That is a second person plural command. So its implications for us is that this, sometimes someone might read these, this text, verses 13 and 14, and go, oh, that's something uh, Andre's, Andre and Ty are going to take care of. They're going to be the ones to be on alert, to stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Because, you know, Ty's strong. Right? That's something Jeremy and Angelo, or maybe Manny, because he has so many years, that's what he's going to do. I would say to you, that's wrong. Because the Bible says, y'all. Imagine. Paul speaking to the whole church. To be alert. All of us. The whole body should be alert. Watchful. Vigilant. The Corinthian church was in a spiritual and a moral daze. They let the bad habits of their old lives come in and wreak havoc on their walks with the Lord and sweet fellowship with each other. When they were relating with each other, they were first happy in Christ. They were growing in Christ. And as the, as the years progress and the novelty wears off, people get irritated at each other. And the way they started to deal with problems in the churches. Well, this is the way I used to deal with it before I was saved. That's the way I'm going to deal with it now that I'm saved. And the Bible says that that is wrong. As we have seen, they were factious. They were immoral. They were suing each other. They had wrong views of marriage, divorce. They didn't care for others. They didn't understand spiritual gifts. And they used it as to increase their spiritual stature in front of people. And lastly, they were unloving. We need to be alert, awake, vigilant. 
Bible talks about, I mean, we could mention many, many things to mention of being alert and awake and vigilant. I'll just name six. Some I got from a commentator. One I added as well there. A couple that I added there. One is to, the same word is used to, to be, beware, to be alert of Satan, our enemy. He is real. First Peter chapter 5, 8 and 9, he says, Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. It's amazing. You believe in that hocus pocus stuff? You know, it's not hocus pocus, it's spiritual reality. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a lion, seeking someone to devour, but resist him, firm in your faith. Many folks will take that verse out of context and say, well, you see, that's why we need to be casting out demons and casting out devils and walking through neighborhoods and doing prayer walks and casting out the demon of the flu and the demon of COVID and the demon of a broken car. No, that's not what he's talking about. If you just read the context, he says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that you may exalt him that you may, he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. He's saying the devil takes root and the devil messes with your mind and the devil is ready to prowl when you are not humble. When you refuse to lower yourself. When you refuse to listen to people. That's when the devil comes in. It's amazing. Another one to be careful with, you could jot this down as we go by, Matthew chapter 24 and verse 42, is to be alert against temptation. Against temptation. Matthew 24, 42, you remember Jesus was speaking to the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, therefore be on the alert, same word, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming into Gethsemane, coming in. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter what into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And Jesus was going to show them that they were truly weak without him, and that they could not rely on their own strength. I think that's what God teaches you over the years. I think we start to see our own frailties, our own weaknesses, our own temptations, propensities for temptation. I think the mature Christian is the one who says, I don't got this. I don't don't have it. I'm not going to go close to the edge and then not fall off. I'm just going to stay away from the edge. Because I know who I am. I'm a redeemed sinner, but I still have that remnant sin. I need to trust in Christ and keep praying. Oh, Christian, those besetting sins that are in your life, you don't, please don't. You don't have to tell me. I am not your priest. There is only one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. But let me do tell you this, those besetting sins. Are you really praying that you would overcome them? I mean, just think about it in your own Christian life. God, if you're really serious about it, do you pray for it? It's like, that was a revelation to me even as a, young Christian, am I really even praying about the sin that is besetting me? Because if I'm not, that really means I'm not depending on the power of Christ in that. But brothers and sisters, we have to be aware of our own shortcomings and how those areas, and one thing that will help you as a way of application, brothers and sisters, is know the things that tempt you, or maybe know the seasons of times that tempt you, or the things that if you put before you, that would tempt you and have an action plan for that and ask God for strength. But be aware of that. Another 
one that we need to be careful of is apathy. Apathy in Revelation chapter 3, I think it's to the church in Sardis, verses 2 and 3. Jesus reminds the church to wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. So remember what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, the word there is wake up. The word that we've been looking at, to be alert, to be vigilant, is the word here, to wake up. To wake up from your apathy. To let your soul be shaken again. God, I've just been, I've just been living my life just kids and sports and and Costco and, and Walmart and car shop and back again. This endless hamster loop of life, and I just keep keep going and I keep doing this and then I get lulled into this apathy where I'm no longer strong for the Lord brothers and sisters beware of that false teachers is another one Second Peter chapter 1 you could write there here's one that carries the same idea but doesn't necessarily keep the same Verb In Hebrews chapter 12, 14 and 15, it says to pursue peace with all men. Maybe you should read that. Look at this. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12. It's amazing. This is the, um, the call on the church in Hebrews chapter 12. In verse 14 and 15, it says, where am I at? To pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without no one will see the Lord. Now notice in verse 15, see to it. It has that idea of watching, okay? See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble. And by it, many be defiled. So the Bible says to be very, very, very careful with these things. They're not little things. We are also to be alert to the Lord's return. He says, therefore, be on the alert, same word, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. Matthew twenty-four, forty-two. So all of you, brothers and sisters... All of you must be alert. From the youngest Christian, newly baptized, to the oldest Christian. From the most immature Christian to the most mature Christian. Girls, guys, women, men. We're all to be alert. Secondly, we are to stand steadfast and firm. go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and he says be on the alert stand firm in the faith stand firm word means to be steadfast to stay it's used in Ephesians 6 stand firm against the schemes of the devil again might I remind you it says this is in the second person plural as well This is not stand firm, you leaders of the church. This is stand firm, everyone. You need to know what you believe in is scripture and stand firm in it. The word here, faith, is not trust. You know, like where we would have faith to exercise faith. I have faith in this. That's not what the emphasis of this word is here. The faith is 
with the article the faith, articular they would call it, in the, in the biblical truth, the gospel. So what he's saying is stand firm in the system of belief that we call truth. Stand firm in the gospel. Do not budge from the gospel. Hold on to the gospel. It's the same idea that Jude and Jude 3 verse 3 says, Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith. He says it again. The faith which was once for all handed out to the saints. There has to be a fight for the truth. It's, a, it's funny. I, I can't believe I'm going to say it, but I, I was watching this one um, interview they were interviewing, uh, Drew Barrymore was interviewing Keanu Reeves, okay? For some reason, everybody loves Keanu Reeves. Nobody hates Keanu Reeves. Everybody loves Keanu Reeves, okay? And I was cracking up, but there was some truth to what he said because Drew Barrymore said, she said, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Uh, you know, the old adage. And then Keanu said, no, 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 no. In his Keanu way, right? If you're a lover, you have to be a fighter. And she goes, how so? Because what kind of love do you have if you don't fight for it? And everyone was cracking up because it sounded so corny. But it's true. That's true. I kind of like Keanu there, right? In its biblical truth, think about this. Think about this. What kind of love do you really have for Christ if you don't fight for it? If you don't stand firm about it. Now, we don't fight like the way the world fights. Okay? And I don't understand if Keanu actually knows Christian love. But I get a sentiment. But in Christianity, I, I don't think a lot of Christians know this or think about it. There is the kind aspect of love, but there's also the fight of Christianity. The standing firm. The denying of false doctrine. The standing up of, to people who may attack false doctrine. You have to do that. If you love Christ, you hate the world. If you love the things of Jesus, you hate the pursuits of the world in as an idol itself. If you love the truth of God, you hate the lies. That's where you must stand. You cannot be warned. Stand firm in the faith. and the teacher spouses what they think is true, it's the same faith that Paul said, the faith of the good fight. It's the same faith of striving together for the faith of the gospel. It's not combining like the Corinthians did, human wisdom or philosophies with scripture, but only believing scripture as authoritative for life and belief. This is what I'm about. This is my story. This is my song. This is what I'll believe. This is what I hold fast about with. Second Thessalonians 2.15 says, So then, brethren, stand firm. Same verb. And hold to the traditions which were taught. The word there for traditions there is Timothy. These are the words I'm giving to you. These are the words of sound doctrine. Do not veer. Whether by word or mouth, by, my, by letter from us. You cannot stand firm in it if you don't know it, brothers and sisters. You cannot stand firm if you don't believe it. And I'm, I would even ask, are you here and you do not believe this gospel, this the faith? That's what we would call it. This faith 
this story that God has given us to believe and to trust. That he made you. You have a purpose for living. That is to glorify him. It is the highest of all purposes. And you day by day prove. If you don't know Christ. You prove to him. He is not the one who carries your heart. You don't love him with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. That's called sin. And it has divided you from him. And so he sends his son, the one who perfectly loves the father, the one who perfectly obeys the father, to live and to die and to be resurrected and ascended. And the Bible says that which you could not do, the love for God which you could not perform, which you could not accomplish, Christ himself did in your stead. Do you believe this? If this is your only hope, you stand in it, Christian. It doesn't even say go forward. Did you see that? We think as Christians we need to take ground and to, oh, we're going to take this political stance and we're going to stand and we're going to beat them and we're going to be assemblymen and congressmen. No, it doesn't even say that. It just says to stand because sometimes, brothers and sisters, in this world we're getting so beat up. The fact that you're still standing in Christ is a miracle. Stand when your family laughs at you. Stand when the school makes fun of Christians. Stand in your workplace when they mock and they say dirty jokes. Would you stand, brothers and sisters? Is he truly your Lord? Do you believe the church is his bride, that this is a family, and that we should walk together in peace. Stand for it. So first, be ready and alert. Second, be steadfast and firm. I know whom I've believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Amen. Third, be mature and courageous. Now, I would like, you know, when I first saw that act like men, if I didn't do any exegesis, I would probably say, see, you see what it says? We need to all look like Rambo. That's what we need to do. I I, I didn't grow up with my father in the house, so I thought, Manliness was what I saw in the movie. So, Rambo seems like a pretty good male example. All these buff muscles with bullets here and a headband. That's, that's what that means. Act like men. And that's not what it means. That's not what it means. It means to be mature and courageous. And you recall it says to everyone, right? Why would he say sisters act like men? Interesting. Right? He's not talking about gender confusion like our world is all the time. Not at all. He's just taking qualities that should be inherent in a real man. That is mature courageousness. Mature, mature courage. This is confidence in Christ and his word. Courage to act because of truth. Regardless of the way it looks. Regardless of the way the world looks around them. This is what the truth is. And I'm going to act and live and base my whole life on that. That's what acting like a man is. It's a mature courage. It's to go to the places that are difficult. I think a lot of some Christians aren't growing because, can I just say this? They're cowards. You're not going to do what God called you to do. You're a coward. I'm a coward. But you know, that power and that strength doesn't come from, I'm going to go do it. Let's, Let's just go do it. The power and the strength comes from being so convinced of the truth that you can do, you cannot do otherwise. It's the same power that strengthened Martin Luther when he 
nailed the 95 Theses, when he stood at the, uh, at, the, at the Diet of Worms, and he says, unless you could convince me with the Word of God or with sound logic, I, cannot, I will not recant, for I cannot go against my conscience. It's that kind of resolve. That kind of courage can be had by a man, by a woman. That kind of courage can be had by a, an adult, by a child. That's the kind of courage we need, brothers and sisters. To strive for maturity in doctrine, for emotional stability <clears throat> in a society... To strive to be an adult in this society. Not to always have, I would say, I would say our young folks are just plagued with this idea. I have anxiety, now I can't do anything. I'm, I'm dealing with that all the time. Where I counsel people, no, you can have courage in Christ. You can have courage in Christ. I see people debilitated like that. And I point them to the scripture. They go, are you sure? I said, Christ can give you strength. Well, Angelo, you don't know how much anxiety I have. Please. I deal with our generation, our young generation, all the time. And it's a blessing I get to share them the wonderful news of Christ that can free them from their anxieties. Didn't Jesus says he came to rescue the downtrodden? Didn't he say that? I remember I was sharing with a girl. I said, what does the Bible say? Do not be anxious, but by prayer and supplication make your request known to God and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. She said, I've never seen this. And how long have you professed to be a Christian? 12 years. And yet, you won't dive into fellowship. You won't dive into certain things because you keep telling yourself, I have this disability called anxiety. Brothers and sisters, we are here to be the salt and the light to show that Christ can give you confidence so that anxiety won't grab a hold of you so that you can stand firm and act like men. Those are the philosophies of this world that are trying to arrest our youth. Please, that is true. Now, I need courage to stand for Christ. And I, like you, or maybe you, not like me, sometimes I be scared. I'm scared. Truth be told, I'm afraid. What are folks going to say? What are they going to think of me? What if I do stand what if they reject me? What if they don't like me anymore? What if they don't think I'm nice? I want to be nice. You need the courage of God, brothers and sisters, when you're tempted to sin, to courageously preach the preciousness of the blood of Christ to yourself so that sin looks utterly sinful. You need courage to speak to your spouse when your husband or wife adopts worldly or unbiblical philosophies on religion or relationships, you need courage, brother and sister or sister. You need courage in your family when your child is being re rebellious and you think the way to go is to not say anything. That's false. That's a lie from the devil. Your job as a mom, as a dad, is to care for their souls and to speak to them when they are on the way over the cliff. You need courage in the church when your brother or sister is in sin not to look away because, because it's uncomfortable or because they won't like you anymore. You all, remember? Act like men. No, it's not a... 
It's not like Shrek, you know, a, an ogre kind of knocking things over kind. That's not a man. But it is the one who knows the truth and is so stable in the truth and now moves to action. To say, I won't do this because it's not me. I'm not going to go do this. It's not me. It's actually rebellion. That's rebellion against God. This is true love. Courageous, mature courage. That's true love. Peter tells you to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot grow by remaining an immature coward, brothers and sisters. So what do we do? I'm going to get tough. I'm going to get tough. No, that's not, that's not what, what happens. That's not what works. God, make me courageous. How about you get a brother or sister around you? I'm scared. I know I have to. I got to speak to my mom. She's been estranged from the family. I got to speak to my dad. He's been estranged from the family. I got to go speak to my uncle. I got to go call that friend. I got to go talk to that child. I got to go do this. I need strength. Will you pray with me? You know what? Some of the time, sometimes your brothers and sisters, as they pray with you, you already feel strengthened and it takes that edge off and you're ready to go. You all know right now sitting there, there is a mission for you. You have someone to talk to. There's somebody you got to talk to and you're scared. When are we going to be salt and light, brothers and sisters? If you have been, praise the Lord. If you're not and you're scared, ask for strength. Now, where are we at? Help me to have courage. Ready and alert, steadfast and firm. Act like a man, right? Which means mature and courageous. Fourth, be dependent and strong. Dependent and strong. You would think that these are opposite terms. But this is amazing how, this is why I love Greek. Because it's so exact. The word there, be strong. It's actually in the passive. So it's second person passive imperative. That's how we would parse it. And I only say that to you so you would understand this is different. It is an imperative, which means it is a command for you to do. But it is in the passive, which means to be strengthened. So a a more fuller translation would be probably be strengthened. You be strengthened as a command. You be strengthened. It's quite simply, don't be strong in yourself, but be disciplined to learn where to find strength and to go there. Be strengthened in Christ. Ephesians 6.10 says, be strong in the, do you guys remember? In the Lord and the strength of his might. A lot of books have been written about spiritual battle. Oh, just put on this armor, put on this armor, put on this armor. You know where the power comes from? In the Lord. Parents, I want to encourage you. Your kids are, if your kids are weak at at some activity or they feel like they're, they can't do it or they can't get their homework done, don't, don't say, just get it done. You're missing an opportunity. Or, I'm scared to compete. Just do it. You are missing an opportunity of what? To point them to be strengthened in the Lord. Right there. Well, well, we have a game. I don't care. Pray. Right there. Oh, well, I'm dropping them off for school. Doesn't matter. You teach them because why? They're in this spot right now where they're anxious. And if you teach them, you may not even think of the implications. If you teach them, just do it. What you're teaching them is the way you get these things accomplished is simply by the force of your hand. 
simply by your own will, simply by your own autonomy and your own power. You've missed the opportunity, parents, to come low, to be with your child and say, yes, I'm weak too. Why don't we pray? Oh. And then a beautiful, miraculous thing starts to happen. Where your kids go, you know, I'm scared. Could you pray for me? Yes. Then you know that they're starting to understand that where I go for strength is the Lord Jesus Christ. And now I can face the world in Christ. Though I be weak, though I be fearful, I know where to find power. When do you start? As soon as they understand English. (laughs) And make it lifelong. And do this for your friends, brothers and sisters. And do this for your relatives. What about if they're not Christian? Do it anyway. Show them that there is strength in Christ. And say, tell them the gospel story. That this strength can only be a conduit to you if you are a believer in Christ. Tell anyone. You want strength? That's where I, we get it. Well, sometimes um, in, my, in my school where I, I, I coach wrestling, they told us uh, before, they said, and this guy was, he had a lot of verses. He didn't really get to the gospel, but he had a lot of verses. And he said, you need to get to the hearts of your students. And I took that as a green light for the gospel. So I said, all right. I'm finna do that, right? So, the so some guys will come, and as they're wrestling, they might just say, "I'm having this problem." Well, let me show you the gospel. Well, that's not me. Okay, well, it can be you. Are you going to believe today? Because he says he can gives you power and strength. He says. To be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Second Timothy 2.1 says, To be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Paul says in First Second Corinthians 12.4, you guys could remember this. I would love for you to say it. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is what? Perfected in weakness. Most gladly I will rather boast about my weakness that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Ready and alert. Steadfast and firm, mature and courageous, dependent and strong. And now I want to add this last one. Did I say six? I think I messed that up. It's only five, okay? Five, loving and biblical. And the reason why I have to add that together is because a lot of times as Christians, even folks who grew up in the church, when you see the word love, you think my conception of love maybe teddy bears and balloons. Maybe never talking about problems. Maybe always being nice. The reason why I say biblical and loving is because God, you gotta allow God to reset your view of what biblical love is. And God defines that. Love is patient. Love is kind. You remember that, right? Let all that you do be done in love. You have to let Jesus define love. Not what's nice. Not what's on the music or social media. Not what philosophers or novelists or psychiatrists or musicians or self-help gurus or anyone else. You need to reset your mind to what true biblical love is. And what's amazing is he says, notice what he says, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all you do be done in love. And so he says, all of the prior things that I just said must be done in love. So being on the alert is not the opposite of love. In fact, it's the exercise of love. Standing firm in the faith is not being mean to your neighbor. It's actually the exercise of love. Acting like men. 
being mature and courageous is not the opposite of love. In fact, it's the exercise of love. Being strong in the Lord, being strengthened is not opposite of love, but it is actually the exercise of love. Love, one commentator says it this way, love complements and balances everything else. It is the caring of someone who, it is the caring of someone regardless of the benefits that you yourself will receive. I'm going to do this as an act of the will empowered by the Spirit of God. So here's what the commentator says. Love complements and balances everything else. It is the beautiful softening principle. It keeps our firmness from becoming hardness. Notice he's going to use the terms that are in the text. Your stand firm does not become hard and calloused. You get it? Our firmness from becoming hardness, our strength from becoming domineering. It keeps our maturity gentle when you act like men and considerate. It keeps our right doctrine from becoming obstinate dogmatism and our right living from becoming self-righteousness. This is why Peter says, above all, what he says, keep fervent in your love for one another. Because what? Love covers what? A multitude of sins. Amen? So, be ready and alert. You cannot be a Christian without these principles, without doing them, without obeying. You cannot obey God without doing this. Be ready and alert. Be steadfast and firm. Be mature and courageous. Be dependent and strong and be loving and biblical. Let your love be defined by what the Bible says, not what you prefer to do. Amen? Father, we ask that you would change us. And Lord, if we're scared, if we're weak, if we're unloving, if we don't want to go to the hard places, we pray you would give us strength to do that. We need you. Lord, make us a different people in Jesus' name. Amen.